You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hello, Education Editor Lauren Smith here. Today I spoke with two people, Buffy Gorilla, who is an audio producer, and Dan Woodman, a Tia Ashworth Associate Professor in Sociology at the University of Melbourne. They are both parties to a new podcast about internships, how to get them, what to do once you're in them, and how to look out for exploitation. It's called Starting Somewhere, and it's the creation of the University of Melbourne. I asked them a bunch of questions about the podcast itself, as well as the internship industry generally, especially as it relates to universities and other higher education providers. So firstly, can you talk to me about how important internships are to students today and how this compares to how they were in the past? So you just have to open the paper almost any day and you'll hear something about the challenges of the labour market for young people. Uh, And one of the things that's really changed is that that it's a much slower and messier process to, to transition from education into a, a full-time ongoing job that feels like it's progressing somewhere. And that's happened despite an unbroken run of a quarter of a century of economic growth and lots of people investing a lot of time in education and their study. Despite all these changes, following patterns that have, that have unfolded around the world, getting your foot in the door, particularly for the graduate jobs, has become a little bit harder. And you need those extra things on your CV as well as the education to to, to really make a start. And that's the context in which uh, edu- uh, sorry, that's the context in which internships are really growing in popularity. I'd like to know your thoughts on the role higher education institutions should or can take in facilitating internships. I think. There's, there's going to be growing pressure on universities to be doing more and more in this space as, as part of a, a broader push for, for better work-integrated learning. Uh, so I think universities have a role of, of making sure that the, the internships that, that are available to people are of a high quality and that they're well-structured and that they're, they're distributed in a way that has a, has a degree of fairness to them. Because the the more unregulated internships and the ones that aren't attached to educational programs are, are more risky in terms of the dodgy internships and the ones that lead to uh, either poorer outcomes or, or out and out exploitation occasionally. So, so universities, I think, can can be the sector that, that make sure that as the pressure to do internships grows from from students, from, from the government and others, the, 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 the types of internships we provide are, are good ones. There is also an opportunity for the university sector to, to do a better job of working with partners outside of the university sector. So in that sense, it's going to be a, a growing pressure, but also an opportunity. I understand that the podcast covers turning an internship into a job. Though we know that even if you do all the right things and you do multiple internships, this isn't guaranteed. So can you talk a bit about how that can happen or how that can potentially happen? So that's episode 10. So we're not all the way buttoned up on that yet. 
Um, but we have spoken with interns who have been able to leverage their experiences into early offers for jobs at EY, for example, or ANZ, um, or even you know part-time roles ongoing after their internships finish at some news organizations. So I think a lot of it is that you know from the experience and what we've heard in the podcast is you know leveraging what they're doing on their day-to-day at their internships and really making the most of it. It's not a guarantee, and we definitely you know, make sure that that's upfront um, in the podcast, but you know, with some of the tips that we provide in terms of using your LinkedIn and making sure you're networking while you're doing your internship, getting involved in the different activities, maybe identifying a mentor within the organization where you're interning can definitely work in your favor. You mentioned a few industries there. Does the utility of internships in terms of leading to a job vary much by field? Uh, Yes. So can you sort of explain some industries where it may be easier to seek into employment and ones that it might be harder to do that in? Uh, Yes. So so one of the things that's worth mentioning is that internships aren't brand new and there's there's been some types of work where that on-the-job placement and training has has been an essential part of the process for for a very long time. So so things like nursing and medicine broadly. Uh, And that is now expanding. So particularly in in the creative industries and industries that have uh, faced a lot of disruption, including journalism, they're becoming more and more common. But what is interesting is really across the board, internships are becoming one of the things that people are using to try and stand out from the crowd. And then the uh, Department of Employment uh, commissioned a report a couple of years ago that looked at the outcome of, of broadly you know, work experience, unpaid work experience. And it was about one in four that, that led to jobs, which wasn't too bad, but it did vary across fields. And, and really, what makes a difference is just how competitive those fields are. There's some that are, that are really, really competitive, and people will sometimes go through a string of internships before they they do land that job. Uh, Buffy might be able to tell you about, she was, she was telling me about the intern queen before somebody who went to a 15, I think. <laughs> along the way while she was uh, doing her education. So so some people um, some people keep, can keep at it for a lot longer than others in fields that are, that are difficult to get that break. And, and that kind of leads into one of the challenges with internships is that if we set it up in the wrong way, it becomes a, a really almost a privilege just of the elite and will reproduce those patterns that, that we also hear about in the paper occasionally about how... X percentage of journalists, and, and X is a very large number, come from very privileged backgrounds, private schools, these kind of things. Because going through that process, uh, if, if, if the outcomes are uncertain, can be very risky, particularly if you don't have all those supports around you, either of an elite institution with the right connections or, or the parents with the money to, to pay the bills while you're going through this, this period of study and then uh, unpaid often training. 
related to that is the whole experience versus exploitation debate. Firstly, how can students or whoever's undertaking an internship navigate that? And secondly, do they even have the power to do that? Because obviously they're the ones with less power in that situation. So there is, there is a fine line between an opportunity and exploitation. And really, it, there's only so much that a, a young person can, can do. And, and to some extent, the, the role is for, for regulators and for governments and for universities to, to make sure that they're, they're building partnerships with, with the right people and also sending people out to internships prepared. But there are risks for employers, either being caught up for, for, for breaking the rules, but there was an example in the UK recently of a, of a journalism intern who, who uh, was trying to sue the person she did an internship with for, for, for basically exploitation, for saying that there was no possibility this was going to lead to a, a real job or an outcome and that they're just churning through interns doing work that really people should be paid for. And there's also that point where that kind of individual level exploitation can become a, a more of a systemic problem if, if it becomes so widespread that it's a way that particular industries will start to rely on not paying people for what should be the entry-level paid jobs into the field. So, so we do have to keep an eye on it. It can be good opportunity for, for people to build that next level of skills they need to, to start building a career. But there are these individual but also broader risks if we don't keep an eye on how internships develop as, they, as the pressure to, to do them becomes more and more. Going back to the internship itself, obviously it's clear what the intern would get out of it if it is a you know lawful and meaningful internship. But from what you've gathered from your interviews, why are employers interested in hiring interns if many of them don't intend to employ them after the internship? Well, what I've gathered from just chatting with quite a few interns is that they're really interested in these some fresh ideas and interns and the young people that they are bringing in um, really bring in this fresh perspective. But then they also think, I think part of it is that they feel that they want to help these young people, even if they're not going to get them a job at the end, to be able to give them some skills to be able to leverage those into future jobs that might be at a different organization. And a lot of the interns that we chatted with, you know, realize that this is part of I guess, paying your dues, for lack of a better way of phrasing it, um, that they know that you know, some, not everything is going to lead to a perfect job at the end, but they get some experience, they get to network, they get to work on their business maturity, they get to see how offices run. So in some ways, it does seem a little bit like a win-win, as long as it is for school credit, so they aren't feeling like they're being exploited. I don't know, Dan. Yeah, I I, I think that's it. You know, a, a, a lot of internship programs I've, I've put together with, with the best intentions on, on both sides. And it's important to note, I think, that Australia does relatively well, and, and surveys of people who undertake these internships 
in Australia, they're relatively happy. They were just saying Department of uh, Employment a report, I think it was 70% of people who undertook these placements were, were happy with them broadly. And not all of those led to jobs, but people were still happy with the outcomes. And I, I think they, they work best when in, employers aren't expecting universities to have done their job, which is that real on-the-job type training, but that universities are preparing people well with all those skills that we, we should be preparing our students with around their, their writing, presentation, general literacy skills, critical thinking skills. If, if we're sending people out with those ready to go, I think the, the internship can, can really work for both sides. But there is there's definitely, as I, as I was saying before, a, a place for regulation and, and keeping an eye on the way in terms of the run because sometimes, not always, but sometimes they are used as a way to basically not pay people to do jobs that you should be paying people to do. So sort of on that note, I've noticed that in the past few years, students seem to be more outspoken about poor internship conditions and speaking out about dodgy providers. Why is this happening? Is it just a generational thing or are there more internships on offer so they feel more empowered to call out the bad ones? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yes, so so partly partly what is happening is that this kind of experience is becoming more common. The more and more people are doing it, uh, it's it also because more and more people are doing it, it. It's probably less of the the experience just of the the most elite. But I think I think there is probably some generational aspects to to a new understanding that you do have the right to raise your voice around these things, particularly. In, in the kind of educational context, students have learned that evaluations of subjects or placements or such is, is part of what we do. Uh, but the other thing that's, that's really facilitated this is, is the digital revolution, of course, that, that you can complain to a much wider audience about these things than you used to be able to, which is something that, uh, that anybody who, who's maybe not doing a good job with their interns should, should remember that that potentially the, the bad publicity could uh, spread very widely. We interviewed um, the person that runs the Dodgy Internship Twitter account today um, for an upcoming episode, and they were saying that the reason why they started it was because they really want to try to advocate change. And one of the tweets that they had actually got picked up by the Fair Work Ombudsman and went and led to the Sydney Morning Herald writing an article about one of the companies mistreating or you know, not being forthright in their information that they were providing uh, for their internship posting. So I think the, it's a virtuous thing that I think some of these people are trying to do. But there's organizations like that glassdoor.com where people can also leave reviews um, for about internships, and that's been around much longer than the dodgy internship Twitter handle, um, which has been a resource that numerous people have cited as places where you can go and you know really start doing your due diligence yourself to find out what you might be getting yourself into, so you are a little bit more aware of the risks. And these are all resources that we chat about in the podcast. Without giving too much away, what are some of the main takeaways from the series, apart from the ones that you've already mentioned? 
We dive into tackling your digital dirt, which I think is a really interesting thing that um, not just young people, but people who are switching jobs and have a very active life on social media could benefit from. We tackle a lot of dealing with some of the stress of juggling it all when you're a student. And I think I was, we were interviewing someone today was giving us some great productivity hacks that I think even as someone who works full time and is not an intern could definitely benefit from. And I think it's also just a reassuring space that makes you feel like you're not alone as you're moving through your work life journey and knowing that you've got an easy place where you can stop listen to what you might want to and, you know, hear from people that you're either embarrassed to ask the question about, like, what do I wear on my first day um, to, you know, is it okay to close myself into the bathroom stall, do some deep breathing exercises to ensure that I'm not getting myself, you know, anxiety ridden during my first day? And the answer is yes, but listen for more. Okay, well, sounds great. And uh, I wish it had been around when I was interning. I heard that a lot. That's the general consensus of starting somewhere. 